Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Joanna Calafetis. And before we get to Joanna, I have a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you'll find some stories that I've written, some stories that the guests have written a while ago, and uh, photos of our guests. You can find links to their social media. You can find links to our social media, which is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. That's probably where you'll find the most stuff. Um, you can, we have a Facebook page, you can find us. Uh, I know we have a Twitter page, or X, as I should call it, but uh, I don't use that much anymore. I was never a big fan of the, of the format, but uh, now less than ever. So, But we're on there at Travel Tales Podcast, but uh, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram mostly is where uh, I want you all to sign up and uh, subscribe, please. Also, uh, speaking of subscribing... We're on uh, all the streaming platforms pretty much. So if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts, please uh, give us a thumbs up. Give us a good rating. That always uh, helps people find the show because it boosts our presence. And if you could say a few nice things, I'd appreciate that too. So that would be great. So uh, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to us, uh, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, give us five stars, and I'd appreciate it. If you think you'd be right for the show as a guest, or maybe you know somebody you'd be right for the show, uh, why don't you write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. You can not only recommend people, but you can ask me questions about travel or whatever else uh, is on your mind. You could just tell me how awesome I am, whatever it is, whatever you want to do. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Joanna Califatis, I found through Facebook, and I don't know how exactly. I can't remember how I came across her profile. Maybe, uh, I, I know we have some mutual friends, but I saw all the travel stuff, and uh, I said, wait a minute, this is a travel writer, this is a professional, because she's also an actress, and an accomplished and busy actress. Being busy is always a good thing, so she's got a bunch of stuff coming out in this next year, which is very exciting, but... You know, since about 2014, 2015 or so, she's had her own travel blog. It's called Lose the Map. LoseTheMap.com. You can find her there. And um, she's been around a lot. She has been international since birth, really. She was born in America, but raised in Greece uh, through most of her childhood and then back to America for college and everything else. So, um, as you can tell, with a name like Califatis, it's Greek to me. And so we talk a bit about Greece and a lot of her travels around the world. She's recently in uh, Finland and Estonia and Latvia over the holidays or, or the last couple months, which is a cold time to be in that part of the world, as she will tell us. But uh, she had a great time. And we talk about a bunch of stuff. And it was a pleasure to meet her. And I think, uh, you know, it's great to see someone who is a bold, independent traveler uh, not afraid to get out there and see the world, whether she goes in a group or solo. I always encourage it. 
And like me, she's uh, encouraging people to, to get out there and not be so afraid. Fear is a big thing that uh, we all fight in promoting travel. And uh, it's not that hard, folks. You can do it. If you really want to do it, you'll make the time and make the trip and you'll make the money or whatever it needs to be done. You'll make it happen if you really want to see the world and see it quickly because um, it's changing very rapidly. And so we want to get out there while uh, if countries are open, go to them. If it's safe to go right now, you know, and there's no war in the area or something, go. Nature is fading fast, uh, whether it's the oceans, the reefs, the rainforests, whatever it is. See these places while you can. Things change. So get out there, explore. And Joanna will be leading a, uh, a trip to Crete in Greece, which is a place I've always wanted to go. So look for that on her site. And we'll talk about that a bit. If you're interested in touring the island of Crete, which is big island, a big Greek island. Uh, I didn't make it there myself because it was just not enough time to get there on the trip I did. So I would love to go back and check that out. So, hey, maybe I'll take the trip if I got the, uh, if I got the time later in the year. But we'll talk about that and a lot of other stuff. So it was a pleasure to meet Joanna, and I hope you enjoy my chat with actress, travel blogger, Joanna Califatis. Joanna Califatis, and I hope I'm saying that right. Did I get the pronunciation perfect? Very correct. Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) Okay. So, Joanna, we are in the same city, basically, Mm -hmm. the same metro area. Although, you know, people are probably wondering, well, you guys are both in LA. Why couldn't you do this in person? And those people don't understand LA traffic. People who have not been to LA, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They don't realize that it it might say 10 miles on the map, but that 10 miles could mean uh, over an hour each way. Oh, yeah, my best friend moved to Gardena, and it's basically like we have a long-distance friendship now. <laughs> right, right. And it affects dating, too. You're like, yeah. well, no, I can't. You live, ugh. <laughs> yeah, no, can't do it. I remember I dated someone in Pasadena, and I went Ooh. out there twice. <laughs> and I realized, yeah. and at the time, I was living at the beach, and I was like, this is not, uh, not going to work. <laughs> You're nice and all, but uh, oof, Yeah, boy. it's got to be really worth it. <laughs> right? Um, so, okay, now... You're an actress, and Correct. you have a blog, Lose the Map, and a yes. website, and we'll talk about all that, but mm-hmm. first of all, as an actress, what uh, might the people have seen you in that we would know? Ooh, well, actually, uh, most of the stuff I've done is coming out this year that people would see me in, not like the indie films and commercials, and you know, if you spotted me in a Mitsubishi commercial or some music videos or some indie films, you probably didn't see unless you went to festivals. <laughs> uh, but this year I'm in uh, I'm in a Netflix show that comes out in April that I actually can't say the name yet because I'm like a surprise edition of the second season. Um, and I'm also in a, a UK show that's a Paramount Global. It's going to be UK Channel 5 and Global. I don't know what they're doing yet. Called Love Rat that also comes out in the spring. And I've done a lot of voiceover work for Metal Gear Solid and things like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's great. Congratulations yeah, on the new stuff you. coming out. <laughs> Were you out there? On, I was on the, uh, the strike lines this summer. Were you out there? 
I uh, was actually in Greece the entire time. I didn't oh. want to the strike lines, but yes. Yeah, so I'm from Greece originally. Well, I'm glad I fought the fight for you while you were on the beach in listen, Greece. Listen, I, I donated and sent <laughs> things, okay? I was... <laughs> I'm just throwing guilt your way. for family reasons. And also, I was working <laughs> on a travel guide. So, you know, okay, it's, so I had perfect. work, okay? <laughs> My other work that pays the bills when acting isn't... Is okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the blog. You've been in mm-hmm. L.A. for what? like 14 15 years you were saying uh yeah 13 13 now did you grow up in greece so i i grew up in greece uh i i did elementary school in greece then i moved to long island new york okay um, sure yeah super <laughs> long island and i'm from chicago so we had a huge greek population in chicago oh yeah you guys got greek town yeah we got a bunch Absolutely. of greeks there too uh yeah. my offices were in astoria shocking uh okay. <laughs> and then i lived in the city uh, finished college there and then came out here after college so okay now uh being from chicago and every greek mm-hmm. i know how many people in your family uh if any owned uh, a restaurant uh you know, shockingly, no one. Not one? <laughs> no, Come on. I know. It's like a disgrace. Our, our, my, my oh, you're out. Like, We're kicking you back out. I go know, back and learn I know. how to I make it. go back. No, it's mostly <laughs> like a lot of my uh, my relatives who have come in recent years from Greece are working uh, in the food industry now. But yeah, we mostly worked like me and my extended family, the construction, HVAC. Well, not me. I, I was a child. <laughs> you okay, know, sure. Well, it's funny, like growing up in Chicago, all the Greek families, they had at least, they owned at least one restaurant that we knew. And I missed those because I left in 96. Mm -hmm. And uh, I missed the uh, all night, the 24 hour diners that you would go to every, you know, work nights and be performing. (laughs) And they were always run, always run by a guy named Gus, Nick, or Pete. That that covers most of it, yeah. <laughs> right. It would cost those Gus, actually. Sorry, I forgot in English. Yep. Gus, Gus Nick or Pete. That was always yeah. the – and man, I miss – and the menus were like a, a quarter inch thick. I mean, they were like 25 pages. They had everything. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. I no, uh, uh, it's great. I mean, everywhere we went, all the diners, like you said back then, were all Greeks. Now they've kind of revamped a lot of the diners to make them more bougie Greek places because that's what's oh, in style sure. now. But yeah, no, my dad has a degree in architecture, so he he did good that. for him. <laughs> uh, the uh, and the longest to this day, still the longest wedding I went to was a Greek Orthodox wedding. I'm not shocked. The longest in the church or reception or both <laughs> in the church. In the church, it, it, it was, can be a little uh, interminable. <laughs> oof, man, pack a lunch. It was a long time. I had to baptize a child during COVID. I was the godmother. And the priest, because it was like still COVID protocol. So it was like me, the parents, the priests, and like everyone else on Zoom. And my mom had flown out. And uh, the priest was like, all right, we got to cut like half the service because we can't be in the room together for that long. So I'm just like, going to power through some stuff, basically. Just totally. To oh, man. So what part of Greece uh, are you from? Well, I was uh, raised right outside Athens. Oh. But uh, my parents are both from islands. My dad's from Lefkada which is on the Ionian side. And my mom's, uh, well, my grandma's side of the family is from Syros from the Aegean, but my mom grew up in the Peloponnese and would go there for summer. So I really just got all the best parts to visit. <laughs> just, yeah, you know, that's great. I have to go to the Greek islands and see family. It's my classmates. Oh, I get it. The torture. <laughs> yeah. The torture. I get it. Well, I went, I went once and it was like in 2017. And it was one of those things that I put off forever because, yeah. you know, you wanted to go, I was like, I, you know, you want to go as a couple. 
You know, we have somebody to go with. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going. I can't put it off any longer. So I went by <laughs> myself. And it wasn't a big problem until you get to like Santorini and it's all honeymooners <laughs> and me just You're hanging like, out. You know, for? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's everybody doing after dinner? I was like, well, we're going this way. Uh, sir, you can go on your own. Creepy guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, but it was great. You know, I loved it. I like the smaller. So I went to. Santorini and then Eos, uh, yes, Naxos, Paros. very different vibes. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Mykonos, of course, and um, Athens. So that was my teaser of all that. And there's so much of it, and I want to get back to, and we'll talk. Uh, you can be our Greek guide here. I, I, I literally just wrote a travel guide. I'm, I, I can literally be your Greek guide. <laughs> I know, but yeah. do you, you've and you've written for a couple. Like, I know Moon Guides. I think you were wrote uh, yeah Moon Travel Guides. So it's they already had a guide called Athens and the Island uh, and the Islands. Wow, <laughs> Athens mm-hmm. and the One Island. Grace has you know <laughs> right. You know that one. Island. Uh, that one. Um, so they had a guide uh, for that, and they wanted someone to do the Greek mainland because you know the islands have become so oversaturated and that's mostly what people associate with Greece, but Greece really has gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes and towns and, and places to visit uh, mountains, everything all on the mainland. So they wanted someone to cover that. And I also updated some of the Athens on the Islands section that gave me, you know, new itineraries to do and stuff like that. And now it's all been released under one book called best of Greece. Oh, terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, how long would it take you to, uh, to write, I mean, have you done any of your full books yourself, like like huge travel uh, books or memoirs? No, or anything like that? I had done a couple of photo books for Arcadia Publishing for Abandoned California, and that was very different. Um, very fun experiences. This was also fun, but you know, all my um, all my travel writer friends who had done travel guides were like, "It is so much more work than you think. It is just endless work. <laughs> You're just running around." And I'm like, "You are exaggerating." <laughs> oh come on, I got this. And then I did it. I'm like, I am so burned out. I have not been in one location for more than three days in months. I am dying. <laughs> like, right? It's the kind of travel that if you were on your own, you wouldn't normally do it, right? No. I mean, but you, you're on a schedule that you got to do it. Well, it depends because I'm also like a crazy person. So I wouldn't go based off my schedule. Like, I got some days free when I was in Greece this year and last year. And I'm like, all right. Like the year before, I did four days in Berlin, and now I did six days, two days Helsinki, two days Tallinn, two days Riga. And I was like, I'm going to see everything. I was covering 25,000 steps a day. So I kind of travel like that on my own as well. So it, oh my gosh. I was maybe yeah. the right person to do that. But yeah, it's funny because like a lot of friends wanted to join me in legs of the trip. And I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You're going to hate it. <laughs> it's not like I am not on vacation. I got to be up early. I got to run around, try a bunch of places, write a bunch of things, walk everywhere, do all the hiking trails, take all the photos. Because literally you have to go take hiking trails and just make sure the directions are correct. Um, there's a castle in this city called Nafrio that it's rumored to have 999 steps to go up there, but you can also drive up, but they're mm-hmm. like, you got to check the steps. I'm like, Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Who's telling cool. you, you got to do this, your editors or editor, do, yeah. <laughs> do they give you, does the editor give you a, an itinerary and say, we need coverage on these spots or can you, do you have well, input in saying where you want to go? So I actually really liked working with moon because it was really a collaborative process. Not one of those things where I come out of interviews and say it wasn't like it was hell. It was actually a collaborative process. Um, because part of the reason they, they picked me, they were interviewing people 
that had experience in Greece, were Greek, were from Greece, because they wanted someone who could go around, understand the language, understand the culture, and already have that kind of set and have an idea of what they're doing. So they were very open um, to feedback for me after I got the job. Like I, I fought to get Epirus, um, which is the Northwest region of Greece, the mountains included in the book because it wasn't originally supposed to be there. And I'm like, it is the most beautiful and very different looking region of main language. Like we got to put it in. People got to know about it. And actually one of the places I wrote about, Zogorhoria, just got uh, labeled a UNESCO site this in 2023. So like, it's really up and coming in general and people are kind of more discovering it, but Greeks have been going there for vacations and trips for, you know, decades. So, Right. And we all know about the islands that I hit, you know, mm-hmm. the, they were the kind of the main track that, you know, I kind right. of, you know, the main path, but uh, it, it was the emphasis of the book kind of like, or when you tell people like your editor mm-hmm. and going, look, everybody knows about, Santorini, you know, everybody knows about all that stuff. No one's, no one's confused. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, no, we don't, how many more stones are we going to uncover in this place? So do you make a conscious effort to go, look, some of these regions need some more love and could do with the business and that's a hundred percent. I mean, that was a big motivation for me because so I had actually written my thesis on the, the effect of tourism on uh, economies and quality of life. Uh, so it, like sustainable tourism is something that's actually very near and dear to my heart and something I always try to focus on. So in my mind, if you hear anything, that's my dog shaking her fur out. Okay. <laughs> well, was, um, we just had a bark here. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, when, when a place has so many tourists incoming, they tend to go to like a few highlight destinations like Athens, Mykonos, and Santorini. And those places get so oversaturated that not only are the locals – priced out of the center, um, you know, experiencing issues with crowding, with with environmental pollution, but also the culture of the island kind of starts to get deteriorated because it becomes geared towards tourists rather than providing a nice life for local people. So one of the ways to combat that is people are already getting sick of going to very overcrowded, very incredibly expensive islands. So it's like, all right, there are all these places where people have boutique, family-run hotels, that really want the tourist dollars and really want people to come in and see what they have to offer. Um, and for that reason, 95% of the properties I cover in the book, whether it's hotels or restaurants are all locally run, locally owned, locally run. Because when you give your money to like a 12 room boutique hotel in, in Epirus, let's say, and you give your money to, you know, the Ritz Carlton in Athens, most of that money is just going right back out the country. It's not really benefiting a lot of people there. Whereas when you're going around with local tours, local people, local hotels, you really are making a difference in the economy. And it's in a more sustainable level because like the vast majority of hotels in Epirus are boutique hotels. They are family run hotels. So you get, you as a tourist get experience of like local, authentic, amazing hospitality, and they get more income to have a better life. So when right. This is, this is something and since I've been working on cruise ships performing mm-hmm. since 2015, that you know we always struggle with. We, I mean, the industry. I'm not part right. of that industry. I just show up and do, <laughs> do my little thing. jokes and leave. <laughs> and uh, but I see it as a traveler from the outside, mm-hmm. going, you know, they sell these islands and and ports as you know you're going to make so much money and all this. But you find out later the locals aren't really making as much as they were promised that they were going to make. And it can overrun a place and it really can change the the dynamic of a thing because a lot of people, they'll say, oh, well, these restaurants are going to make money and everybody's still eating for free on the ship. 
and they'll just walk around town and just crowd it up for for a day and yeah. then leave. And they don't really spend as much. Cruise some tour tourism. operators are making some money, but it's really not trickling down, you know? Cruise tourism does not leave a lot of money in local economies, unfortunately. And it's like you said, it, I mean, that's why there's the f- emphasis on locally owned because, uh, you know, part of my thesis was if the majority of the tourism industry is run by foreign or multinational companies, locals are really going into dead end entry-level service jobs, and that's it. Like, there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah, they'll um, clean the rooms. Exactly. They'll clean the hotel exactly. rooms, but there's they're no not owning them. Future. Whereas, you know, running your own business, running your own – there's obviously a different uh, life associated with that income level you can attain. Right. If, mm-hmm. But I know Santorini is a, a big cruise stop. Have they um, have they stopped on a, a few other islands that have really changed it that you know of? Um, I mean, Santorini and Mykonos are the two big ones. A lot of Greeks sure. I know just avoid Mykonos like the plague right now because it's just a, yeah. it's so expensive. For an average Greek, like they've been priced out of Mykonos on their salary. They just can't afford Mykonos anymore. And Santorini, I don't know what's what discussions are having now, but I know there was a lot of discussion about limiting cruise ships, charging daily fees, kind of like I think Venice is going to start charging a fee. For yeah, Venice and – uh, yeah, after COVID, some of the stops have really kind of put their foot down. They realized how nice it was without all these ships coming in. Wow. And they said it's just like Venice. Um, I think Barcelona was was starting to to limit it a little bit and possibly even Dubrovnik because yeah. uh, Dubrovnik during the day is just insane. You can't walk around the old city. There's like five ships a day coming in there. I was in the Venice. Uh, I was in the Venice. I was in Venice. Uh, I was in the Venice. I was in the Venice. Hey, oh, <laughs> spicy meatball. Italians. My grandma's Italian. I can do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I was at, at the Venice Film Festival in 2022. And that takes place beginning September. So it's like the whole tourist season has already been happening. Everyone is tired oh yeah the film festival so like every, there's so many people in at the same time as the biennale so there are all those people in too and everyone working service and i totally i had so much empathy i'm like yeah you don't want to be here right you don't want us to be here right now you'd like us all Mm-mm. to leave but i was walking around during the day trying to get to meetings and if i wasn't at the the separate island that the film festival takes place on if i was in like main venice Oh, even walking around and get to places was just an ordeal every single time. And I'm like, I can't imagine living here and having to do like, you know, I got to go to the supermarket no. or the bank and this is happening every day. I have, It's been so long since I've been to Venice. I've been to Italy a lot, but I just mm-hmm. like when I went and somebody was just asking me about this yesterday because she's taking a trip and had some questions, mm-hmm. wanted to ask my advice. And I go, they were, they had Venice on there. They're flying into Venice actually. And I've, I, I think Venice is good for like a day, two, mm-hmm. maybe tops, right? I mean, don't you kind of get it after after a day? You no, know, you would think so. But I actually, the more I go to Venice, the more I'm like, there's a lot of stuff here I haven't seen. Like there's yeah, a museum on this. That's true of anywhere, I guess. For me, I really like Venice, as you said. And this is and this is where the hypocrisy comes in, right? So like, obviously, I'm a tourist there, too. I'm not sure. like local. But I really like Venice at night when all the cruise tourism has left and there's much less people. If yeah. you go to, I think there's like, the, I think it's like the northeast area. There's one that's a little more far away from the central, central locations. And it's just so beautiful and relaxing. I mean, it's gorgeous to walk around at night. It really is. I, I could go back for sure, but... Uh, I would want to go back, what I've heard, for Carnival in February. That's a very different, very awesome experience. <laughs> yeah, Dubrovnik was the same way. I always said, like, um, 
when you go out at night and there's no one there and you walk through the old city, it, it's yeah. amazing. It's really gorgeous. But during the day, you could not move. It was like shoulder to shoulder. So No, no, you just stay in and like watch Netflix, it. watch Game of yeah. Thrones. You're like, there's the Dubrovnik. Oh, then- yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see that after 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. That's what we'll do. So, I mean, Greece, you know, everybody knows the um, the situation there economically and with a lot of those countries there, Portugal, Italy, right. Spain, and the southern um, – they have this kind of like dual existence where they, they certainly need right. tourism. I mean, they need it, but you, need um, it, but you never want to be over reliant on it because right. then you're just making your country, you know, a showcase for tourism. <laughs> but the problem is that, you know, they suffer a lot of problems that a lot of those countries have with a brain drain, like, you Huge. know, people who are, uh, you know, the educated and, and uh, people who could build industry leave, you know, people like yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> take off. And so there's this, you know, and so it's, uh, you know, where do you see, do you see any movement in the economy and, and like kind of like well, positive things the happening? The economy or? has actually been really improving since the, the very detrimental financial crisis um, a decade ago around. Uh, it was at that point, it was 60% youth unemployment, 20, 25% unemployment at some point at the, at the right. peak of the crisis. Um the economy's been getting much better and employment's been getting much better. The problem in Greece is, as you said, I think I read somewhere that of all the the EU countries, Greece has the most young people leaving for university and work. Um, I mean, most of my friends in Greece that I grew up with went to London to study, went to Canada to study, went to US, went to Germany, went to Sweden somewhere that had better opportunities. That being said, the economy is improving. And I've noticed a weird trend where a lot of people are going back now in their 30s because they've done this thing of, you know, I got this prestigious foreign university. I got this job at a foreign company. It's going to look really good on my CV in Greece or my resume in Greece. And then I can go back and use that to parlay that into better opportunity in a relatively smaller market and field. That being said, the economic problem Greece is facing now is akin to what I think most of the Western world is facing, where it's not that people don't have jobs. It's that your job's not supporting, like minimum wage is not supporting a lifestyle. Right. I think that's increasingly the issue Greece is starting to experience, where people, it used to be a given that like you could rent a one-bedroom apartment in Athens. And now a lot of people, even at age 30, with with a job, I'm saying like with a full-time job, can't because the centers become so expensive. Right. But you think a lot of people are going back because – like a lot of people now they can work remotely and it's like, well, if I can live on a yeah. beach in Greece and still make money online, I'll do it. All they need is a good right. Wi-Fi connection. You know, I mean, some of it is definitely remote, but a lot of it is actually just, I think priorities change as, as you get older. And I think people in their thirties are thinking like, all right, well, you know, I'm making more money in London, let's say than I would in Greece, but a, my cost of living is much higher in New York. Uh, so I'm actually working a lot more and making a lot more money, but it, I'm not really seeing much of it go into my pocket at the end of the day because I'm paying rent and I'm paying, you know, healthcare and I'm paying all this. Well, in the U.S. <laughs> anyway. Right. Um, and I think partly it's just that priorities change and they start to think like, all right, maybe I'm ready to settle down and have a family. My parents are getting older. I miss my culture. I miss my country. I'll put up with like the less than ideal work situation sure. and, and lower salary to just have that life again. <laughs> I'll pay the bribes. I'll pay. That's what that's <laughs> basically. Yeah. So I'll work in this disorganized. I mean, I love Greece, but I will say the work culture is very, you got to get used to it if you're used to working in another country. Yeah. So I was, that's what I want to ask you about too, because I yeah. talked to a lot of expats on here and uh, you know, especially since, 
the pandemic and things. There's a lot of people looking into living abroad and, and mm-hmm. doing other things. But I mean, you, I'm assuming you you still have Greek citizenship. You have yeah, two passports. Yeah, I have both. Yeah. So it's easier for you to go back. But for someone like You're me tomorrow. or something, <laughs> right, someone like who doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, what is the process? Because I know Portugal's uh, system was a lot easier to get into and a lot less red tape than, say, Italy's right. and Spain's. So it, well, where does Greece fall on that Greek spectrum? Is famous, uh, Greek. Greece is famous for its red tape. <laughs> yeah. Um, but surprisingly, to become a citizen, I... First of all, if you have like a Greek parent, grandparent somewhere, uh, it's incredibly easy. Assuming you don't, um, I do believe I do in doing a digital nomad visa at this point. That's something something uh, akin to that. I don't know if it's like valid for a year or two years. I don't know the details of it. But um, they are doing visas for people who want to go work there remotely because they want to attract more people. Uh, there's obviously an investment visa. Uh, I'm not sure the minimums of that. But generally, it's, you know, and if you're in any other EU country of citizenship, you can get in. But from what I understand, Greece is not as difficult as some other countries to get into if you're not a Greek citizen. I mean, I actually, fun fact, I didn't become a Greek citizen until I was 17. I lived in Greece the entire time with no Greek citizenship. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I was living with my parents, so whatever. Um, Yeah. I don't think they especially cracked down on it, but yeah. I literally just got it for 18 because it's much, I mean, you know, I grew up there. I had a house, my name, I'm Greek. Obviously it was easy for me to get it, but it's even easier if you're not 18 yet to just like fill out the form and get the paper. But I don't think anyone checked the whole time I was there. I had an American passport. I was born in New York and we moved back when I was one year old. So. Oh, okay. So you were born here. Okay. That probably made it a little more difficult, Correct. but the, um, do they require a, a language test? To get your citizenship and that kind of thing, like some of them do. No, no, because I was uh, no, <laughs> because I was Greek. Okay. I was bigger than Greek, right? That I mean, would they would they ask it of me, like if I uh, went or something? Just to get citizenship, no. See, and here's where I literally just wrote an article on this. Here's where um, citizenship can be very different from pe- for people who are coming in from high income countries versus low income countries. Um, right. I, there's no language test that I'm aware of. You can just get Greek citizenship and. You know, you can buy a house or get Greek citizenship, basically, right. if you invest enough. Um, that being said, Greece, uh, their citizenship system works differently from the U.S., meaning if you are born in Greece, you do not automatically get Greek citizenship. You have to be born to a Greek citizen. So that's kind of um, screwed over a lot of second-generation immigrants coming from Middle Eastern, particularly Eastern European and African countries, because they're born to people who came in undocumented or refugees who you know have not gotten papers. Gotcha. So they are born and raised their entire lives in Athens and might not have Greek paperwork and not be able to get it without a lot okay. of hurdles. So that's very frustrating. Well, that brings up the other thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other huge issue that there even I was there in seventeen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess for the last 10, 15 years, it's been the big thing of, of uh, migrants and right. refugees and, and things. So what have you seen change in the last 10 years? And is there change? And, and what's the situation uh, now? I mean, you know, they've been used, the refugee situation has been used as such a political pawn to get people elected, reelected, <laughs> defeated. Yeah. Uh, as it is. In here, here and there. Yeah, everywhere, basically. Um, yeah. I think there's definitely been a difference. Uh, I mean, there's less refugees uh, coming from Syria, obviously, now, because I think most either already fled or whatever. But um, it's still very big in the Greek political discourse, Uh, maybe not as big as it was. I think 
people were much more well. I mean, the first year uh, Syrian refugees were coming in, I, I helped film a documentary that didn't being released. But anyway, I was at a Syrian refugee camp in northern Greece for a month helping film a documentary. And for, you know, that the handful of Greeks that were very you know, racist and what are they doing here? There were a lot of people like in the middle of the crisis giving the shirt off their backs and donating and helping out. I mean, the Coast Guards were just working 24 hours a day, just saving people drowning in boats, you, you know, left and right. And that was the kind of feeling in the beginning. But that's what happens when when a tragedy has just started, right? Like like with the Ukraine refugee crisis in the beginning, it's like, yes, come in, you know, we'll all take you in. And when the situation drags on for years and people aren't getting resettled and people aren't getting integrated and no one knows what to do, and then Greek people are, you know, financially struggling and there's no room to give people more economic opportunity in Greece. And I will, by the way, mention that. Most of the refugees I spoke to were very well informed. They're like, we don't want to stay in Greece. We know you have no jobs for us. We're not trying to do this. We're trying to right. go where there are jobs for us. We just want to go like work and live somewhere yeah. where we can do that. We're just trying to not get bombed. Right. We're, right just, we're aware that your country has almost nothing to give us. <laughs> we were very aware. Yeah. Um, I think people have gotten very – people have kind of turned against the refugee um, wave a lot because – they're like, listen, we have our own problems. And it's hard because, you know, I, I'm a very liberal person. I, I I do get where they're coming from. At the same time, like these people didn't ask to be bombed, obviously, and flee. Um, yeah. So it's – and, you know, there's been some obviously very bad press with groups of uh, Greek people. We don't know who they're affiliated with, but going back and literally turning refugee boats back to Turkey. And that's – and now they've also become political pawn in Greek-Turkey conflict of – you know, we're going to Erdogan threatening to send them over our way, <laughs> us being yeah. like, we'll send them right back. And, and they're just caught in the middle. <laughs> has a, has a, a certain particular islands really been hit harder? I, I think Lesbos, uh, Lesbos. Was really- Lesbos is the close to the Turkish coast. So it's the one, right. um, it's the one that had the most influx coming in. And actually I was doing a, I was filming there in 2021, um, a movie called Smyrna about the Greek, uh, the expulsion and genocide from the Turkish coast in the 1920s. Um, so I was filming there and uh, you didn't really see refugees refugees anywhere because they kind of go to the refugee camps and the few times they do venture out, like it was actually kind of sad because I saw these women going by a coffee shop, clearly, you know, refugees. Um, and they were hanging out there. But then when other people started filtering because early in the morning, the owner was like, if you could get up and go now. And I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not great. Uh, but yeah, that, that island has been particularly hard hit. And again, it's this very hard thing of, I think it's very easy to be very black and white about it, which people tend to be. I do yeah. get that Greece is like, we literally, there is a rational thing. We literally cannot absorb the people you're asking us to absorb. And the EU has kind of an unfair policy of, you know, wherever refugees land first is where they're going to declare asylum. But refugees are never going to land in Denmark first. Like geographically speaking, yeah. they're going to be in Greece or Italy first. That's just how it goes. So while we are one of the economically weakest countries in the EU, we've been asked to disproportionately bear so much of that burden. I do understand there are very real complaints with that. And at the same time, you know, people need assistance and people need help. And I do think that a lot of the countries who you know, funded the groups and were involved in the war should maybe take on more of that burden because, like, you're the reason they got bombed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> well, I mean, it's affecting every country in right. in Europe and here, you know, around the world. Mm-hmm. But the, um, like, 
which reminded me when you, the uh, the trip you just took mm-hmm. or recently took that I saw on the blog, um, they were dealing with this in uh, as north as you can get in Finland. When I was in Helsinki, yeah, you know there was there was a lot of um, just young, you know, Muslim dudes just hanging out in the park all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they're like, uh, you know, their policy in Finland says, you know, we have to house them and give them right. housing or whatever, and, and let they're them in. Not but, allowed to work, but, but they don't. Al- they can't work, so yeah. they just they have nothing to do all day. But then that and, aggravates tensions because people are like, yes. well, they're not working, they're freeloading. It's like, well, they they can't. You're not letting. Them. Yeah, <laughs> and then they don't assimilate and all these yeah. things. But, um, but also in any culture, I don't care yeah. where you are in the world, right. Uh, young dudes with nothing to do is a recipe for trouble. They'll find oh, something yeah. to do, and it's not good. <laughs> well, and you that's know? And, why there has to be a better effort to to integrate people and get them to like be right. members of the job force and society. Because, yeah, when you have no future and you don't know what you're doing, you're just caught in the standstill and holding pattern. Of course, of course, you know things are going to boil over at some point, but um. And that goes for everyone, no matter who you are and where you're yeah. from, you know. But but also in in Finland, I thought it was like a really it was a really fun thing that the uh, it was just very interesting there that because mm-hmm. they're going from these pretty repressed, like in terms of sexual right, you know, to, mores to Finland, and stuff, which is to Finland, which is the most open. Like everybody's naked in a sauna, oh having business God. meetings. You could turn on the local TV, and there's like porn at night, yeah. like literal porn on. Ads for like race. They would just show off core porn on TV after like midnight. If you stayed up late enough, there's like some yeah. stuff going on. So they uh their heads are just getting blown off like oh my god. They just, yeah, so there's weird incidents with that, but um we'll get off Greece right now because I want to talk about that area because I did that uh Helsinki is uh Tallinn Ugh, uh, Riga I, I trip. Love that trip. I I did that all in one too, and I, I loved it too. What month did you so, go? It was so cool. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So I didn't go in the dead of winter. I, I, I knew that was a choice. I knew enough not to do that. That was a choice. <laughs> yeah, it was. You chose to do that. I oh, did. God. I did. I probably for the Christmas markets or something. Yeah, we're in the Christmas markets, and I just happen to have a week off and a bunch of miles sitting around. So I'm like, <laughs> gonna knock off three cities. Where can I freeze my nuts off? I- let's let's go. Not only Finland. that, when I went, it was like exceptionally cold. It went back up to 25 degrees the week after I left. Like you're joking, right? It was 10 right. degrees. The time I was there. Well, I'm sure you got deals. I'm sure you got hotel deals and everything. I else. definitely did. And also just it, the cold breaks you after a while. Day four, I was like, eh, it is what it is. I just didn't care yeah. anymore. <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, they can't be with the ferries still running and yeah. everything else. Yeah. Ferry. I okay. took a ferry from Helsinki to Tallinn. Yeah. Or Tallinn. Yeah. I've, I'm Tallinn. still not entirely sure how to pronounce that. Tallinn. It's like they, they hang on the L anyway. Yeah. I think I went early. It was it was spring or fall, whatever mm-hmm. it is. There was still – because Tallinn is a cruise stop. And yeah. I could tell that the difference between that and Riga. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thought the two cities were pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But Tallinn was much more touristy. And the I think the cruises were the reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, must, it wasn't that – I didn't freeze like you, so I can't remember the exact time of year, but I know it wasn't that. But I loved it, you know. I loved, I loved them both. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts? And and if you got advice for people who are listening and visiting that area, get fleece lined leggings. Uh, besides <laughs> that, <laughs> number one piece of advice. Sure. Um, no, uh, I thought advice. I mean, 
I like Tallinn and Riga because there are cities that I'm like, I think I walk around everything in two days. Like they are, you know, on the more manageable, walkable side, even in the dead of winter. Um, I think, you know, especially Tallinn and Riga for me was really interesting uh, diving to the history of them. They're countries that have been really under multiple occupations for 700 years in a row. I mean, they've just been through yeah. a lot. And it was so interesting going to the KGB museum and, you know, all these things. Um, but yeah, I would say Helsinki, definitely meet up with Finns. They're friendlier than the Scandinavian, uh, you know, stereotype. Yeah, the Swedes all make fun of them because the they're being serious. I mean, well, all the other Scandinavians make fun of the Swedes. So, you know what? It's fair. <laughs> it For is sure. what it is. Yeah, exactly. But it's yeah. odd because like the Finns, they're, they're known to be serious. But then they, they were just voted like the happiest country on earth. Yeah, you know what? If you tell them that, they will roll their eyes. So they're like, have you yeah, seen us? <laughs> but it, it really just is like, you know, they, they have good wages. They have a great education system. They have sure. they have saunas everywhere. Like, I know they're known I for know. saunas. but Every they apartment saunas, building. They have more saunas than cars. I didn't yeah. – I'm like, how do you – I've never – I don't remember the last time I was in a sauna. It's not a big part of my culture. We just go outside in Athens in the middle of the summer and that's, that's – uh, Right. That's no, I got a whole sauna story. I, I, I hung out there with a friend of a friend. This guy I just met, and after a night, you know, we're like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" I said, "Well, I don't know. I'm just, you know, going to sightsee." So he's like, "Want to go to uh, a sauna?" My my family's we got a cabin like two hours outside of Helsinki. You know, it's like, and I, I thought about it and go anywhere else in the world, like anywhere in America, some guy I just met invites me to his cabin in the woods to go <laughs> get naked in a sauna. I go, "No, pal, we're done here." Maybe you know. Not. <laughs> This guy, yeah, depending on your preference, but yeah. this guy, I was like, yeah, sure. It's just totally not normal. And we went there and it was great. But man, it really cures a hangover. So oh. basically, we just, we sweated out and then we just ran and jumped in the lake and the cold water. And then we went back in, sweated out again and jumped in the lake. We did that three times and I felt amazing. And I was like, oh, I get it. I totally get it. No, it's. I'm sure it's a great experience. I mean, yeah, that's the the, so the two biggest pieces of advice I give are just don't let the cold scare you if it's winter. But also, I would say try to get a well, – the first I got to Helsinki, I, I did a tour with a local guide. And it was nice because I had the least amount of time there from the three cities. So I got kind of a – besides getting a rundown of the places, I got an insight into like what was it grow, like growing up here? What is it like living here? What's – you know, what do I like about my country? What do I don't – not lying. So it's, right. it's nice to just get that insight from people. I also happened to be there the day before the night before their independence day, which I didn't know oh, wow. uh, at all until I got there. So it was actually quite a nice night because everyone had the day off the day after. And one of my friends, my travel buddies saw that it was in Helsinki. He's like, Oh my good friends are there. You should meet up with them. We just went to some like, like house club. One of their friends was DJing. It was just like, dum, you know, very, very Helsinki. <laughs> <laughs> very dark, very, yeah. very house, but it was really fun. <laughs> right. Did they give you that liquor? It was like the vo flavored vodka that they put like jelly beans in it and it like soaks in it. No. They and they made me do shots of this stuff. They gave oh, me the God. Christmas like reddish, whatever that's called, that they also give the Christmas marks, but they had it at home. So, Oh, <laughs> like the mulled wine? Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did um, I find that the youth in like Eastern European countries, like former Soviet blocks mm -hmm. and stuff, just hanging out with them. It, it's kind of refreshing in the way that they, most of them anyway, seem positive, you know, about where the future's headed. Yeah. As opposed to like talking to quote unquote old Europe yeah. youth, like in France or something like that, where they all just kind of accept that we're not going to have it as good as our 
parents. This is like, they see it like negative. You know what I mean? And so it was just kind of nice when I talked to people, like whether it's like Czech Republic or right. Croatia or things like that. They seem, they seem to be actually looking forward because they're, yeah, we're going to have it better. Well, than it I, used to be. They know how bad it was. I was going to say, I think that also speaks to like the level of yeah. quality of life of their parents versus them. Right. Like, there's nowhere to go but up, essentially. I think, um, yeah. And I think you could say that probably party. about American, yeah. you could probably say that about American youth. You know, yeah, probably no, say I the same things. Most American youth I know is, do I still count as American youth? I don't know. I'll just count myself there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're in Hollywood. Yes, you can. <laughs> really dejected. According to Hollywood, no, but according to me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if any casting directors are listening, uh, youth. Right. Call us youth. Uh, youth. <laughs> right. Um, no, but it, it's definitely it's definitely something that's happening again in a lot of Western European and you know U.S. Uh, in a lot of those countries because because yeah, our our, our parents kind of had the the best of times here, <laughs> according. Yeah. So it makes sense. We're like, well, I couldn't afford you know a house and raising two kids at twenty eight on a blue collar salary. Are you crazy? Like right. with only one parent working. And- yeah. Yeah, I can barely so, afford myself. <laughs> right. So, were you in those countries for? Um, were you writing about it, or was this just a? Nah, this was my trip for me. So last year, I I traveled so much, but the vast majority of it was for work, either for for shooting, uh, you know, one of the series, or for right. meetings, or for something, uh, or for a travel assignment. So I'm like, I I want to do a vacation for me because I was very burnt out by the end of the year. It's been a very very good year in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of also like family health crisis, everything getting better now, thank God. So it was just a very, like, I got very burned out and my, my self care is booking a ticket and just going somewhere and walking around an entire city for days and days and days. On end. Right. <laughs> so I just booked it and literally all for free. It was so nice because everything else was, you know, flying me somewhere to shoot. So like expenses covered. So I just been racking up miles, racking up miles <laughs> and I get there and I'm like hotels covered by points. Flights covered by miles. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. Zero dollars down to go to the strand. <laughs> That's what I did. I just did in uh, Sydney there over the uh, over the holidays. Nice. It was just like, yeah, finally, I got I to use these points. I got to use them. And I got to get to Sydney. It's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I want three weeks free to see all Australia and New Zealand because I'm not yeah. taking that plane trip twice. <laughs> like, it's, it's a one no, and yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, I was there for two weeks. Yeah. And, and we only touched a little bit of it. You know, mm-hmm. like we never even left Sydney or like two, three hours around it. I'm also sure. I, I mean, it's a massive country. It's huge. I'm also, I'm certain I have distant relatives in Melbourne. I must. Like there's. Oh, yeah. The you'll go. Break you'll get there. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> um, so when you started the blog, what was mm-hmm. the, was, I want to say, what was the point? I mean, did, did you have a goal in mind? Were you trying nope. to? <laughs> okay. I literally, um, I was, you know, focusing on acting and I was writing freelance articles for a bunch of different sites for extra cash. And I was getting a little frustrated because I don't like being told what to do, (laughs) honestly. And I wanted to write about places I'd visited, things I'd seen in my voice and the things I was interested in writing about and not necessarily, you know, like top five beaches here and blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to kind of write in my own voice. So it really started as um just a creative exercise for me and a way to get that writing out. I had had a little blog. Oh my God. I'm trying to remember the name. I think it was can't say still dot wordpress.com. Um, when I was studying abroad junior year of college and I'm like, I like that experience. I want to do that again. So I started again. And for a year it was just like my mom and my best friend reading it. Um, <laughs> basically. Cause I, there was, I wasn't starting with a point in mind. Um, and then it started picking up 
And in the beginning, it functioned less as a moneymaker and more as a portfolio in the sense like people, instead of me pitching to write for people, they'd be like, oh, we stumbled across your blog. Can you write these articles for us? I'm like, yeah, great. I don't have to do all the outreach. Um, and then it started making some money. It never got to full-time income, but it was, you know, some supplemental. And uh, yeah, then I really enjoyed it. And then in COVID, I just kind of went through a crisis of like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then acting really picked up. So I put it on hold for a while. And I'm really just relaunching it. Like th- this last couple months, I got all this content ready to go. I mean, at this point, I could write twice a week for the next two years without leaving my living room. <laughs> like with right. all the content I have ready to go. So I'm doing like a big relaunch along with a YouTube channel this year. And I'm really looking forward to just re-pushing it out there. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because, Mm -hmm. you know, as performers and things, it was kind of like, you know, people would ask me, why wouldn't you, because I have a background in TV hosting and Mm -hmm. stuff. Why don't you, you know, it's more of a visual thing. Right. But I think it was kind of like, I also write too, and I kind of liked the freedom of not doing that. And also, I don't know, taking selfies around the world and shooting video of me, I, I think I, you know, it's really hard and it's a lot of time yes. and, and it was kind of, it felt like work and I didn't want the travel to feel like work. I mean, that, you know that, what I mean? Cause that, it's my favorite thing to do completely. And that's kind of the problem, isn't it? That like, sometimes I travel a place. So I'm like, I wish I could come back. I mean, I went to Oaxaca on a press trip last March and I loved it, but also, I'm going there in, in a few weeks. Uh, I, I might I honestly, I got in touch again. I'm like, I might just go back down because I loved it. But I was going on assignment for Matador Network, and there were so many deliverables I had to do with like B roll footage and video footage and stories and yeah, photos right? that I was just like, I just had a phone in front of me the whole time and a camera, and I really liked it. I'm very you know grateful to send me on the trip, but I also want to go back and just be in Oaxaca, you know, without all that. Um, yeah, it's very. I think I don't think people understand. Uh, as much as I'm obviously so grateful for the place I've been, it is very different traveling somewhere for pleasure or traveling somewhere to make, you know, content or on assignment, especially because then you're just beholden to someone. It's not even like you're directing it. Yeah. Um, it's very different. And it, it can be kind <laughs> of, it's, it's always important to try to find the balance so it doesn't completely take you out of a place and take you out of an experience. So you're not even there. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Also I've seen yeah, on these media trips as well, you know, I've seen and interviewed a bunch of, um, I've been on with like these influencers, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I see what they have to do to do it. And I guess it's a generational thing. And it's just like, I don't want to do that. I want to have every meal we do. Hey, guys, we're, you know, doing selfies and we're eating at this thing and we got to post this many times a day and stuff like that. I know that's what it takes to like do this. I'm just like, I don't know if I'm not built for it. (laughs) I'm not either. So the YouTube channel, I'm like, all right, I have a lot of video footage. I have not taken a lot of myself. I have like some intros and whatever, but A, I still find it very uncomfortable to be in a place with people and just be speaking at camera. I find it so right. Horrible. I'm like, I don't, selfie I don't stick. want to be- <laughs> I can't be selfie stick guy. I can't do it. But then I will say on the press trip uh, last year, I got some tips from the girls who are much better at this of how to do like the cuts and do the cut of like, oh, you know, put something against the camera, do the smash cut to black. And now I'm like, oh, is this how you do it? I don't, I have no clue. I'm like, I'm not, this is not my forte at all. Right. It was actually, it led to a really cool video. And I'm like, all right, these are, these are cool things to learn. But I don't know if I'm ever going to get over the, the self-consciousness of like, I'm speaking to a video camera that I'm right in a crowd of people. Which is odd as a performer. You think you would be completely natural. No, that's with. different. That's like people get, no one in the crew is going to be like, why is this weirdo speaking into the microphone? They're going <laughs> to, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they yeah, get it. True. They're being paid to be on a film set. They understand. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
I saw some something because uh, also next month I'm going to a place where um, you wrote about was I'm going to Ushuaia Ooh. to pick up a ship there. I'm not going to – I've been there once right. to go to Antarctica, and this time I'm, I'm picking up a ship that's coming from Antarctica, but I do have to fly to Ushuaia, which uh, for people who don't know, it's at the, in Patagonia at the bottom of South America. And uh, give me advice. I know you wrote about it, but save me the trouble of reading. And tell me what I got to <laughs> do. I, I, I'm literally, it's for work. So I'll yeah. probably have a, a few hours to explore. You know, it's going to be that sad. I was going to say, it's probably, I mean, literally, Ushuaia is very easy to ex- just walk down the main yeah. street and see what you like. It is more yeah, of I a, did that. Well, there's like a hard rock cafe and stuff like that. It's not, right. you know, it's not hugely <laughs> like local culture. I mean, yeah, I'm not camping in a yurt. Right. When having. I was in Argentina, actually, I'd come down, I did Salta, Buenos Aires, and then Ushuaia. And I have a friend who lives in Salta. So I was hanging out with her friends and they were talking to me about like the local music in different regions of Argentina. They're like, oh, you know, Mendoza's, uh, is it Mendoza? Yeah. It's like this. Yeah. And like the Buenos Aires area is like this. And like, who is like this? I'm like, what's the local music in Ushuaia? And they just look at me. And one of them goes, the wind. I don't know. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> like, it's like, it's people down the there and they work for the shipping industry. It's know? like, it's the wind. It's, I don't know. There's no, what? <laughs> like, yeah. um, literally the end of the road. Literally the end. But uh, I think it's just cool to, uh, you know, walk along that coastline and get photos of the, I think there's a, there's a shipwreck or something like that. As far as I remember, that's really cool to look at. There's the, yeah, it's just, it's really two streets. Just walk down them a few hours. I think it's Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, when you were there, were you going to, uh, Antarctica? I I think were you at the South Pole? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. I was actually, you know, on a separate occasion, I was supposed to go to Antarctica with, uh, um, I was supposed to do a trip to Antarctica, but it was in 2021, I think, or very early 2022. And the company was like, COVID has started to surge again and they're locked down measures. And they're like, we're actually just canceling them. We, we can't do this. Um, so it just never happened. No, then I was just doing a trip around Patagonia. So we went oh, okay. around to, I believe it's Punta Arenas. It's a lot of Punta somethings in yeah. Chile uh, by ship and then went up to Santiago. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Are you camping or was this like big no. hiking? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> let me let me tell you something. I love camping. I don't think I would in Patagonia. Though, like people it's joke, rough. like, oh, it's windy. No, no, no. My ears were in pain the entire time because it is just like, like the entire time. I mean, I I I was biking from our hotel outside Punta Arenas, like into the into the town, and it's kind of like an L shaped bay. You got to go around. So I'm biking in, I'm wearing my Fitbit, I'm going like, kind of the wind's perpendicular to me, so I'm going, I'm going, and then I turn right, right against the wind. I was biking for my life and at a standstill, and I look at my <laughs> Fitbit after, and the heart rate as I'm going one direction is like 110, 120, 130, 120, 110, and suddenly it's like 180, 180, 180, it's like all in the red line, and I'm biking against the wind, making no progress. That's how bad it is, just like at a st- <laughs> oh, stationary God. bike against the wind. <laughs> Now that's when I want to see video. That that's the video. I I'm want so to see. glad no one got a video. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, now we're on that. What it was? Give me the um, the most dangerous thing that's ever happened to you on the, on the road traveling. A car hit me <laughs> and broke. Oh God! Broke me in multiple places. <laughs> Whoa! Were you walking or? I was a walking. I was walking. Or? I was crossing the street. <laughs> I was in Where was this? South Africa in Cape Town. 
And oh. uh, those of you who've been to South Africa, you'll know exactly why I got hit when I say a combi taxi hit me because those things oh. drive like uh, maniacs. Um, so, yeah, dude swung around a corner at a very high rate of speed. And I saw him and went to, you know, go faster across the street. And my roommate, this was during my study abroad. So my roommate saw me, thought I hadn't seen him, screams out my name. I kind of froze. And anyway, hit me, flew, uh, broke my femur, collapsed, partially collapsed my left lung, hit uh side of my head. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so that hard. was definitely, that was definitely, you know. <laughs> what was the uh, South African hospital experience actually like? actually great. You know, well, you're in Cape Town. You were not in the Yeah, yeah. Nowhere. I went to, what is it, Claremont Life Hospital. And uh, I learned that the first heart transplant in the world was performed in Cape Town. Top-notch oh. surgeons. So uh, I had a great care, actually. Really great care. Um and healed relatively fast. That's what happens when you're 19. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and your body. Uh, I remember those days. Now my body would be like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> We're done for the year. We're done. <laughs> um, so that was definitely, you know, dangerous thing that happened. And I always impress upon people because people always ask about travel safety. And maybe it's because I've had this experience, but it's also statistically true. You are less likely to get kidnapped, shot, stabbed than you are to get in a vehicular accident. It is the number one cause of injury and death to people abroad because, A, it's just a common cause, unfortunately, of accidental death. B, you don't know the road rules. You don't know the ways of driving. You're not used to it. A lot of times, you know, if you have opposite uh, side of the street driving, you're going to get confused or... If you're in somewhere like Cairo where traffic lights mean nothing and lanes mean nothing, you know, it can get very dicey. <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah I mean, so that's what people should look out for more than like being kidnapped mostly. Yeah, these people are so afraid of like, yeah. oh, don't go to that country, that, that, that country. And then they'll go to like Mexico and hire a moped. Yeah, I'm like, are you and, <laughs> and most of the people I know who've gotten real and serious accidents or really haven't gone to the hospital yeah. <laughs> have been on motorbikes. Yeah. Honestly, on, on motorbikes and uh yeah, like you said, or a tuck tuck accident or some kind of crazy thing. Yeah. Or like a water sport. Yeah. Like they went uh water skiing or some, you know, thing or tried to hang glide or whatever it was. But uh yeah, it's like yeah, I know. Fear is one of the things I always try to yeah. You know, curb and people, you know, with this, you know, when I started this, you know, and, and fear is one of the big reasons to keep people from traveling. And, you know, it's hard to convince, especially a lot of Americans who've been more, more and more mm -hmm. are bred on fear right. on media and everything else like that. They're just scared shitless. And, and you're just going, it's, it's safer in that country than here. Right. Well, and <laughs> you know? exactly. And it's crazy to me how so many people ask, I mean, People uh, were asking me about Athens, like it's a super dangerous place. I'm like, babe, you live in downtown LA. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you. Yeah. <laughs> but your neighborhood is a lot worse. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you have a shooting in Athens and it's in the news cycle for like months because that's, that's it's the one that happened. <laughs> it's that one. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the lake, more... you, you go on the citizen app, it's like there's 10 in your immediate area. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I tell things, it's more like the petty crime. I right. mean, pickpocketing is a problem, you know. And I've got my thing. phone you lifted you... in Athens, yeah. And at the sure. same time, it sucks, but it, it doesn't make me feel so violent. Like, it doesn't make me feel in danger of myself. It's just like an annoying thing I now have to deal with, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, give me that. Like, have you ever been in a situation where you were like, okay, I've I've stepped too far out. I'm in a dangerous situation you know, in whatever country uh, you're in. Not really on the road. I'll, I'll tell you what. People are afraid of solo travel, especially for women. 
I will pick traveling alone as a woman over being in a group of 20 something guys making decisions on what we're doing. <laughs> oh, I can't. Because, I'm with you. There's no way. Because so the diciest situation I've been in, there are a lot of times where there was no dice situation, but I remember being in my twenties and be like, yeah, let's get in this car with this random guys we met in Paris and go to their birthday party. I'm like, what was I thinking? Anyway, all, all was fine. The two dice situations I can remember is in Cairo, we got stopped by security at the pyramids because we we were there way after closing and they were all like with automatic weapons and really dead serious and calling in 10 more people. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to jail in Cairo. I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, but it, so the dice situation on the street, I was in Cartagena, solo trip, one week, had a great time. Um, and the very last night, I'm at a bar and there's two guys next to me uh, speaking English, American, clearly. So we start talking. I'm like, I haven't spoken you know, to someone in a while uh, in English. And they're like, yeah, we're from D.C. We're visiting, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, they're like, we're going to this bar later, this cocktail bar. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where I'm going too because it's named like top 50 bars. And, well, great, great. Let's all go together. Sure. We go down to the street. We have like six, seven blocks maybe to walk about that. And these dudes are drunk and start talking very loudly about trying to find drugs in a very loud voice. Oh. And when I tell you, people crawled out of the woodwork that I had not seen in my one week there. Like, suddenly dudes were crawling out and like, do you want girls? Do you want drugs? I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to die with these people. I'm, I am I don't want any part of this. This is not why I'm here. Yeah. Um, and when we got to the next bar, I literally just ditched them. Um, because, and, you know, I was talking about this with friends of mine. Because especially if you like women are warned so much against solo travel, like, oh my God, it's so dangerous. And there are definitely things to look out for. But I do think also just like living life as a woman, you learn to be on the lookout always. Like even in your own neighborhood, you're not making dumb decisions. Like you're not, let's go down this dark alley. It'll save us some time. Well, I've seen my guy friends do that all the time at 2 a.m. Be like, oh yeah, this is like a shortcut through this unlit, empty. <laughs> like I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I feel like because you learn to be on guard, and you're going to be extra on guard in foreign places that you don't know the neighborhoods and you don't know what's up. You're kind of keeping yourself more safe. Whereas people who walk around their own cities like they got nothing to lose tend, especially when they're younger, tend to carry that mentality into foreign cities. And it's like you don't yeah. know what you're doing and you look like an, you look like a tourist with money. You got to like. <laughs> I tell you, it's like me traveling alone. I learned this as, you know, as a, as a white guy going, well, it doesn't matter if I'm in Asia or, um, you know, I have been to Colombia. I was in, I was in um, Medellin mm -hmm. by myself and just walking down any street at night. I am offered everything. Oh, yeah. And it's always, you know, the two big things are drugs and, and women, mm -hmm. you know, all the time. And it That just was like, what all the dudes coming out were saying. I'm like, all right, I'm going to ditch these yeah. people for my safety. <laughs> It's it's relentless, and yeah. after a while, you know, it, it's kind of a relief when I'll, I'll meet up with a friend, and you know, if she's walking with me. Uh, we're together, and it's like no one's coming up to me. It's like oh, it's so great because it's it's brutal after a while. I mean, it's like you can only say no so many times before you go, and this is exhausting. Yeah, it's, it's you know, even wild. if they're trying to sell you something, it's just anything. And but I, it's I, never good. I didn't think of that aspect, but yeah, you're right. It's like you're walking around looking like a you know foreign yeah. men they're gonna come out it's i mean that's my rule of thumb when i get to any country obviously i get different treatment a you know being a woman but sure i also like uh whenever i get to a country i go out first day no camera either at a cafe or a bar depending on the time of day and just kind of like sit and people watch and see how people like are and carry themselves and dress and 
And I, I keep my head down a lot. So like when I was in Colombia, uh, a lot of people assumed I was Argentinian and I'm like, I'm not going to correct that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're very, you're very castable in different uh, ethnicities. Yeah, so <laughs> ambiguous as they say now. <laughs> That's right. Right. Um, I like that. And uh, yeah. And then the, you know, the tanner I got, the more they thought I was from different <laughs> countries coming up. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was just like, kept my head down, walked around and tried to just not look like a very obvious tourist, you know, and, and you tend to avoid the worst of it, but especially being a woman, like you're not going to get offered, you know, girls and drugs, <laughs> like, like right. men do. Yeah. But do you get, um, have you had one of those experiences as a woman, like being in a certain country, whether it was a Muslim country mm-hmm. or somewhere else like that, where you walked into a place and they just went, no, you're not, you know, you, where's your man? You're not supposed to be in here alone. Uh- I haven't had that experience. In in Cairo, there was a level of street harassment that was exhausting. I I never felt physically threatened. I know other women have complained about that, particularly in Egypt. Um, uh, I don't know why so particularly Egypt, because uh, surrounding countries doesn't seem to be that much of an issue. Um, But yeah, there was, I mean, there was one time where I went out without my shoulders covered and the level of harassment just immediately jumped. And I'm like, screw this. I went back to my hotel room, like put a shawl over and just went back down. I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this. Um, right. But other than that, it was okay. It is weird though, because there are a lot of spaces to call attention to that might not even be like, oh, mandated male only, even though I'm sure there was countries and situations I haven't been in that there are, but kind right. of traditionally male only. And it's funny because I even remember when I was very young, this has changed, obviously, but when I was very young and we'd visit my grandfather's, the rural village he came from in Greece, the Cafe Neo, which is like the old, the cafe that all the old men sit at, I never felt comfortable going in there. And it's not like they would tell you no women are allowed. You could go in and sit down, but no woman ever did. And it made it feel yeah. very <laughs> like this is a space for the men and you just didn't go. Now, obviously, like I said, this has changed and, you know, that was a very rural place and uh, a couple of decades ago, but yeah, it is weird. You do definitely have those spaces where you're like, ooh, I can't come here. I shouldn't be here. Is it, yeah. Is it the same thing when you go back to see family in Greece that mm-hmm. whatever, like a big family dinner, it's uh, when the dinner's over, somehow like all the women go like into the kitchen to clean up and the men just go to somewhere else and it's just kind of like expected. You know what's <laughs> like, actually weird now that you mention that? I find that more in Greek American households rather than Greek. Really? It's, you know, it's weird. Like immigrant communities can kind of tend to hold on to more traditional ways of being because they're a little suspended in time of their vision of their culture, right? So I I find in general, the Greek Americans tend to be on the more traditional conservative side than Greeks today. Um, But yeah, that definitely happens a lot. And it definitely happens a lot in, in, you know, when- In Long Island? Yes, in Long Island. (laughs) And- it, it happens to a certain extent in Greece, but actually, no, my cousins would usually pitch in to like help my male cousins. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Where have you had the best Greek food in America? And don't say your mom's house. <laughs> Mom, it is. <laughs> don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Oh my God. The best Greek food. That's a hard one. How about in LA? Can you help me? Where can I go? Uh, no. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm right? I right. haven't found it. It's definitely New York. It. There's nowhere to find. Uh, I mean, and Chicago. Come on, give me. Throw me a bone. It's good. I, I haven't been to Chicago. I'm. I'm a disgrace. I know. You. I know. One of my close friends is from there, and I, I hear it all the time. But I. I, I will a shame on your people. A shame. This year. This shame. year. I promise. Uh, LA okay. just doesn't have a big population of Greeks to begin with, no. and even less yeah. restaurateurs. So there's Avra, which is is fine. 
but it's so pricey. Um, Lucas, yeah. which is closer to it, is better, I think. Honestly, I order a lot of Lebanese cuisine whenever I want something approximately <laughs> in LA because they do it better. It's close. Um, and the hummus York, is so good. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, right. Labna, all that. Anyway. But New York, uh, I don't know. New York has a lot of places. It's what is it? Milos is a uh, really great. But for me, honestly, there's going to be nothing better than like a food truck with souvlaki in the street. Right, <laughs> like right. it's just the best. I'm sorry. It's like you can go to the most gourmet Mexican food, for example. But is anything going to replace street tacos? At no, yeah, no, it's not. Like, it's just not going to be better. No. How about okay? Now you can put on your mm-hmm. put your Greek hat back on sure. and tell us. Where give us some of the regions we need to see. You oh no wait you're um are you organizing a trip to Crete? Is I it- am organizing a trip to Crete this summer. Although there, there's a slight possibility it might be pushed September, but yes, I'm organizing a trip to Crete. So please sign up for it. <laughs> okay, tell us what this entails. So it's going to be six days. Um, sorry, a week. Uh, going through the highlights of the island. So you go to Iraklio, Refino, Hanya. Uh, and you see the Palace of Nassos, all the Minoan ruins. You have a Jeep safari to an oasis and waterfalls. You get to go to the beach. Uh, we do like wine tastings. Um, I do uh, also a photography workshop, like a little walking tour photography workshop and see the old town of all these various places. And it just, it's just good times. Just come experience create. <laughs> Have you organized a trip before? This is my first one. <laughs> Ooh, okay. How big of a group are we looking at? Uh, I'm actually not sure yet. That's why was, we're still like getting booking. So I have no idea at this point. <laughs> okay. But are you going to have help doing more this? Than 15. You're going to have help? Because this sounds like a big. Yes. Well, it's organized for Trova trips. So they're doing a lot of logistical oh, okay. back end, uh, which really helps. Yeah. But you're leading it. Yes, correct. Okay. So what do we need to bring? I mean, uh, is, what's covered and what's not covered? <laughs> no, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have to get ourselves there? Is that how the... Yeah, works? the airfare is the only thing that's not covered. Uh, transportation is covered. Uh, hotel is covered. The tours are all covered. Breakfast is always covered. And a few of the lunches and dinners are covered. So it's just like a couple of meals, basically, and things like that. Okay. How long do you tell people to stay in Athens? I, th- I, I think you could see a lot in a couple of days. You can. I mean, the thing is, I'm always going to be biased because, like, I I know Athens is a place I partly live in. So, I uh, for me, I'm like, there's so much you can explore forever and still not be done because I am not. But it's interesting because I'm seeing the last couple of years, people used to spend like half a day in Athens, maybe one day. But we saw the crabbles were out by uh, out of the islands. People are now spending like four or five days in Athens and finding a lot to do. And what I always say is, Athens is. You can't go in with the expectations of a European capital because Athens might not be a pretty city. It's not like a Vienna. It's not like you walk around and you're like, oh, what beautiful architecture, you know. There's pretty neighborhoods like Blaka, for example, is the most well-known one. But Athens is very lively and I love that. It's like if if things don't bother you, like, yeah, there's a lot of graffiti. There's a lot of this. But – it's so cool. I mean, there's just so much. There's music shows. There's like uh, underground like galleries and art. There's just so much happening. Nightlife is incredible. Restaurant and food is, you know, incredible. Um, I think you can easily. I mean, I've had American friends come spend four or five days in Athens and absolutely love it and want to come back. So I think if you go without the expectations of like, oh, I want this really like, you know, rarefied high European capital. <laughs> um, and you go just like taking the city for what it is. I think, yeah, four or five days is a great time. Okay. Uh, Crete was always one of those things where when I was there, you know, I heard so much about it, but it's so big 
that I said, that's probably a, a separate trip on its own. It really is. I mean, Which is why, <laughs> right? Crete is like, massive. Big. And besides massive, the landscape's kind of difficult to navigate. Um, so distances that you're like, oh, that should be half an hour. It's like, that's actually two and a half hours because there's mm-hmm. roads winding one lane roads going there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, after this trip, mm-hmm. what's your next, uh, you have a bucket list of uh, places you want to see? I mean, or, the entire world is the place I want to well, see. Well, sure. Um, but what's high up there? I mean, what 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 are you? Where are you dying to go? You know, I really want to get to Jordan, uh, which I still haven't been to, and Oman. You haven't been to Petra. I have oh, not been awesome. to Petra, and it's like in Athens, it's like a two hour flight. It's a joke. I mean, I gotta get there. I know. Um, you think with like so much of Africa, you I know, would have seen it's right there. Um, I might be going to Zanzibar in September, oh, um, yeah. and I'm trying to arrange trips to Guatemala and Peru as well. Um, okay. So yeah, but you know, the, like I always say, I'm going to do some trips, and then something else crops up entirely. L- literally, sometimes I just see when I have free time, and I go into Google Flights and put my departure city. And I'm like, "Where's affordable and direct flights? <laughs> Let's do it." Yeah. Well, you can't stop getting booked. That's your problem. It, well, all yeah, this work. You know, I'm not going to complain, but but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, I mean, but it's true. I mean, I, I tell people it's like if if things are rolling, it's hard to leave. Exactly. You know, you can't if. You know, we wait so much for the to get busy yeah. here. And when you are, you got to take it. I mean, for me, my, my biggest dream trip, though, is Vietnam because I've heard from so many people how beautiful it is. Oh, I love it. And so fun fact, when I was on my study abroad, my study abroad was two months Brazil, two months South Africa, and then two months Vietnam. And I got in an accident in my last day in South Africa. So I completely missed the whole homestay experience, Hanoi, like Halong Bay, all that. And it's been such a thing in my mind of like, I just need to get there. Like, And then I just keep hearing how beautiful it is from everyone. I'm, I'm, I need to go. I need yeah. to go. Big coffee you culture, will. big beer culture. It's, it sounds like right up my alley, honestly. Yeah. And you don't need your, you don't need your fur-lined Finland pants. Definitely don't. Although I have heard crossing the street in Vietnam takes a fair amount of coffee. Oh, my God. You're going <laughs> to – you'll see. It'll make South Africa look easy. Oh, because well, cause when I got on an accident, initially I was I was in a wheelchair for the first like couple of weeks because, well, I didn't have use of my leg and I'd lost so much blood that I couldn't really be standing for long periods of time. And then I went to crutches and I was still trying to find a way. I'm like, maybe I could get to Vietnam. And my friends on the study abroad trip had gone there. like, there's absolutely no way you could be in a wheelchair in Vietnam. Yeah, no. It's like, not possible. You literally – I remember the first time I got to – I think it was in Hanoi. And it's just like millions of, of motorbikes, right. uh, the motor, uh, like just mopeds. in every direction, every out. direction, <laughs> and they and somehow it works. But you have to just defy all logic and just walk into it, and they will go around you because they're not going to stop. You'll never cross the street, no, no, so no. you just have to be bold enough to you just, just gotta like make eye contact it. and keep crossing. With people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and keep steady, keep a steady pace so they can go around you. But it's just. It's insane. I mean, like it's, I yeah, said, every really place crazy. has its own driving rules. I mean, I drive in Athens, and when I have American friends visit, their their heart oh, is in their throat. The first, they're like, yeah. I don't understand what is and isn't a parking space. I'm like, it's not really official. We just kind of yeah. <laughs> figure it out. Is this, an, is this an alley or a road? And I always or, tell people, I'm like, or, do not drive any car in the center of Athens that you're not okay with getting scratched up because you will be disappointed. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Make sure you're okay with it, a couple scratches coming your way. Well, that being said, is uh, like Uber – a thing there or are we still doing taxis? Well, Uber's a thing there. You can download the app, but the app calls taxis because okay. the the taxi, what I gather, I might not be 100% on this, but the taxi union when Uber came in was like, no, you're not you're not sure. doing this. So what they well, did they're is living, you know. They have they're, they're Uber fine. and they have a thing called a Beat, I believe, where you can just hail taxis and it comes in like two minutes. 
I will say they ended up long-term kind of being right because Uber undercut the competition in a lot of U.S. cities and then also start underpaying their drivers less than minimum wage. So, yeah. so they were in the long-term correct. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. I know why they do it. I know why they fight it for sure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times as a traveler, though, it's a godsend. Yep. You know, in places like Mexico City and stuff. Uh, oh, 100%. And like I said, you, you Uber can use the app great. in Greece. You're just going to get a cab and – yeah. You're going to hope that, you know, the man is following the no smoking rule in his own taxi, which is still a problem in Greece. Right. I gotcha. Yeah, no. I, I assume they're not. They'll have like a big side and then just have a cigarette in their mouth. You're like, sir, <laughs> have you seen? Right. <laughs> Boy, isn't it amazing how like spoiled we've gotten just like, and then I go travel and then, oh, I remember this. Smoky. Assuming you'll be smoke free in places. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a big get. <laughs> brutal. It's just so brutal. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I know we got uh, things to do, and you got to go act in some kind of big shot movie. Of course. <laughs> no, 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 I'm in LA. I, I have my therapist appointment. I'm doing the very basic. Okay, <laughs> that right there was the most Hollywood thing. Yeah, you said, exactly. I, I got to go time. talk about my career. And <laughs> right. Enough talking about me. I got to talk to this other. I got to go talk me. about me for an hour. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. At least this one's free. <laughs> yes substantially okay. uh less expensive yeah. <laughs> well speaking of that let's promote so sure. uh tell us your where can people follow you and where are you on social media and so everything. people can follow me on instagram is where i'm most active joanna.calafatis i do have a tiktok that i'm trying to be more consistent with I'm oh, sorry, I'm not Gen Z. I'm trying, okay. <laughs> um, I, I haven't, I haven't broken that uh, seal yet. Oh, uh, it's it's fun. I just keep forgetting about it, which is a nice way to be with social media. Anyway, Instagram is my most active. Um, my blog is losethemap.com, and please do follow because I have a lot of content coming up. And you can also find me on YouTube under my name, Joanna Calfatis, and also I have a lot of content coming up there. So please uh, find me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, travel with you to Crete. This, yes, please we don't come know with exactly me to Crete. When, right? You can have a Greek person teaching you a photography workshop and then giving you shots of Raki. So it's it's perfect. I don't oh. understand the problem. <laughs> I might have to sign up. I'm going to have to get the discount yeah. though, right? <laughs> of course. I don't know. We still have an early bird special going. So make sure. To oh, good. It. Yeah. Good. I'm at the age of early bird specials now. I love that. <laughs> That's uh, just for who signs up early. It's not reflected. Okay. In All right. <laughs> We're not in Florida having dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon. No, no, please. My dad's uh, already pissed because I told him his uh, something from Medicare came to my apartment accidentally instead of it. Uh, I'm like, Dad, you got your Medicare here. He's like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> they're sending yeah, right. that time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is great. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. And uh, I always ask, yeah, the last thing I always ask everybody, mm-hmm. what do you think all this your perspective, not only, you know, in dual countries, but your travels around the world, what has it taught? Uh, what have you learned about yourself, about the planet and people? And how has it changed you as a person? How has travel changed you as a person? You know, I feel like the default response is like, oh, people are pretty much, you know, the same everywhere. And it's true to an extent, obviously, that people, you know, just want to have a nice life and peaceful life. Um, but it's also taught me that, uh, when you only have experience of one place, you can perceive certain things as like the human norm or the human standard when it's really just your cultural norm. And part of the interesting thing for me about travel is you get to see, like, is this a human thing or is it my culture teaching me it's a human thing? Because someone someone once talked about culture and said, 
trying to explain the culture you're raised in and what it's done to you is like trying to explain to a fish what it's like to breathe in water essentially like you can't you can't know what your culture has has uh, has done to you because you you've only lived in it basically you only know it so the more cultures you experience the more you kind of can get different outlooks on life and different perspectives on things and kind of see what fits and makes sense to you and where maybe your own culture has guided you in a way that you're like hmm I don't agree with us so right yeah <laughs> well that's great well thank you again and uh, hopefully we'll meet in person one day. Of course, of course. Soon. I mean, if we can make the hours longer. <laughs> I know, we can, we can brave the 405. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Not on yeah, our right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Joanna Califatis, everybody. And thank you. Thank you.